So we've been doing some slightly more involved episode introductions lately, doing some riffs and parodies of the movies we're talking about, putting in some sound effects, all just in the interest of having a bit of fun. And we were going to do something like that here with like a channel changing effect or TV riff since we're reviewing the pilot of a television show. But after doing the main recording, instead, we're going to start this episode with a disclaimer, which we mentioned in the episode itself, which is if this is your first episode of our podcast, probably a good idea to stop and start with something else. Uh, Maybe go back to episode 19, where we covered the first four Nightmare on Elm Street movies, which we, of course, reference in this review, or our Black Christmas episode, or our comic episode, or any episode, pretty much. We recorded this about a month after we did our recording of Black Christmas, and then we took some time off for the holiday. And it turns out that in the intervening time, we had a lot of laughs we needed to get out of our system. So we think this is a really fun discussion that hopefully everyone will enjoy. But there's a reason we're calling it Oops All Crunch Berries, because this is definitely an episode that will probably be best enjoyed if you're a fan of the pod and you've heard some other episodes first. So with all that said, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy this episode, and good luck! Hello, 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 and welcome to Prime Time, and welcome to the Scary Stuff Podcast, first episode of 2022. This is Eric Dellinger, and joined by co-host Nick Leamy. Hey, everybody. And Jacob Jones-Goldstein. I'm wearing my Horror Grump t-shirt today. Yay! <laughs> Tpublic.com slash Scary Stuff Podcast, I, I think. <laughs> Yay! Well earned. Well earned. There's a reason. <laughs> it looks great on you, man. I love it. The heat of your age going to melt the ink off the front of the because uh, <laughs> I love T Public print quality not that great so it's just going to be like burned off. <laughs> Fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Maybe you'll surprise me. Maybe you loved it. No, I'm not going to surprise you. Okay, <laughs> that, that's not going to be today. You know, there have been times I've come into these things like liking them and talking myself out of it. Maybe we'll do the opposite with you. Who knows? No. <laughs> <laughs> that has happened. I have absolutely talked myself into movies while we recorded and liked them more coming out of this than I did going in, which is it's that's one of the really fun parts of having this podcast is really getting to, to get to down and nitty gritty with these movies and really talk about them and get into the things. And and I, I really enjoy that. And, it, and often you two will change my perspective on things. I don't imagine my bullshit changes y'all's perspective too much, but it, it has happened it that I have. <laughs> I have rethought some things after after speaking with you guys. It's not going to happen tonight, though. <laughs> because fuck you both. Because this this shit is just one of those reenactment segments from a bad crime show in the 80s writ large. And even for that, it's like, this crime show has low-quality reenactments. So, I mean, it's... Like, this is some unsolved mysteries bullshit. And, uh, definitely some low low bars were, were set for this. <laughs> like, and I, I was trying to take into account that it came out, you know, a long time ago, and it probably had a budget of $9. But, man, I watched shit back then that had budgets of $9, and we was, it still looked better and felt better than this shit. So. <laughs> and you watched one of the better ones. <laughs> they only got worse. Yeah, I... 
I did only watch the one episode, so I mean, I I can't speak for the rest of the series. This is oh, really man. just the pilot that I I have watched. I, I have to say, I'm really disappointed you didn't watch the rest because I would just loved loved to feel the vitriol just like ooze from your body. <laughs> man, I'm wearing a t-shirt that says horror rope. That should be enough. I'm letting my clothes speak for me. I think I probably when I'd put that shirt together in Photoshop, I should have gone with a middle finger instead of a thumbs down. No, because I can wear this in public and like around my parents. <laughs> so I guess we should say what exactly we're doing and why we're doing it. <laughs> so we, we mentioned this a little bit back when we did the first half of our Nightmare on Elm Street franchise retrospective, which is we're doing a couple minisodes here related to Toby Hooper. So when we had the franchise poll, as far as what franchise we were going to do, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came in second. And that got the ball rolling on, you know, thinking about Toby Hooper a bit. Could have been Halloween again, people. (laughs) (laughs) Jake's wound is still fresh on that. (laughs) And so even though Toby Hooper only did the first two, Texas Chainsaw, you you always think of Toby Hooper in conjunction and realize this, oh, well, he did the, the pilot for Freddy's Nightmares, the Nightmare on Elm Street TV show. So that would be fun to do. And then in conjunction with that, he worked with Robert Englund on a bunch of stuff. Three specific feature films, Eaten Alive, Night Terrors, and The Mangler. So we had a poll to determine which movie we'd do for that. Mangler won, so that's going to be coming later. But first, we're going to be doing this minisode on the pilot of Freddy's Nightmares titled No More Mr. Nice Guy. No more Mr. Nice Guy. And... I think before we get into it, the episode itself, like we were kind of talking at the opening, we're probably going to talk a bit about our memories of the show growing up, or at least certainly for for Nick and I, because I know we both saw this to extent. Yeah, my part of that conversation is going to be short. (laughs) But before we talk about our memories of the show and talk about the episode itself, I'm going to read something real quick. There is an image of this quote that's been going around and something we'll probably retweet, but I have the source book in front of me. So I am holding. This is The Nolan Variations, The Movies, Mysteries, and Marvels of Christopher Nolan by Tom Schoen. And there is a quote from this book that I saw going around on social media, (laughs) and I'm going to read it to you to prove it was not Photoshop. I'm excited. This is actually a real quote. So this is the opening of Chapter 8, Dreams on the Making of Inception, page 202. The idea for Inception had gone through many evolutions since Nolan first elaborated a horror story about dream theft in his dormitory at Haleybury sometime in the mid-80s. In place from the beginning was the use of music to manipulate or cue the dreamer's responses, a straightforward elaboration of the conditions under which the idea was first conceived, lying in his bed after lights out, listening to soundtracks on his Walkman. And quick side note, the image of Christopher Nolan lying in his dorm like Shinji Ikari listened to a Walkman and Evangelion cracks me up for some reason. (laughs) Also in place was the idea of shared dreaming and the idea of a dream within a dream. An idea with a long pedigree from Edgar Allan Poe to Borges. But for Nolan, the immediate inspiration was closer to hand. Quote, There was a show they used to do called Freddy's Nightmares, which was the Freddy Krueger spinoff, a TV version of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. And there were a lot of situations in that where you wake up from a dream into another dream, and then you wake up from that into another dream, says Nolan. Quote, I found that pretty terrifying. 
<laughs> so yes, <laughs> if you see that image of that quote going around, it's legit. Christopher Nolan actually did speak to Freddy's nightmares being a key component <laughs> of the inception of Inception. I have a friend who absolutely hates horror movies and absolutely loves Inception, and I cannot wait to drop that on her. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, Christopher Nolan isn't that much older than than us. You know, he going into this was probably like I'm guessing 16, 17 years old when it came out. So, it, it I could see him appreciating it cuz this this show was definitely geared in some way to anyone under the age of 18. I don't care what they're Oh fuck yeah, he is older than me. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it's like, sorry, Nick said that. And I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to depress me. And then it didn't <laughs> see it's not all misery for you tonight. <laughs> it, it's the like, one good thing. Going back to this show as an adult was painful <laughs> because it is so very, very cheap <laughs> and you can feel it in its bones. But like as a kid, holy shit. <laughs> Well, yeah, but like Unsolved Mysteries used to be scary to me as a kid, too. It was buffered for me because Robert Stack voiced Ultra Magnus in Transformers the movie. But yeah, man, every time that musical sting came, do, 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 a little bit of a chill. I'm sorry, Robert Stack made it okay for me. He's like, Robert Stack's telling me what's going on, so I know I'm okay. Because Robert Stack's here. I'll <laughs> say, I've never seen the Transformers movie, so it's like. Oh, what? Not what? A- what? Wait, and how what? many times do I have to tell you this that you stop being surprised? <laughs> the fact you haven't fixed it yet every time is not okay. I'm going to start putting this in a greeting card, mailing it to you once Eric, a month and see if it'll Eric, stick. <laughs> pull the damn plug, Eric. He's going to watch the movie now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> and we're back. Instead of red and green bars, we're going to throw up some blue and red Optimus Prime bars. <laughs> Roll out. I want to get Danny back on this podcast after Danny came on for Blade and, and tell Danny, who's writing Transformers right now, who on this podcast has not seen Transformers the movie. I think they Fix came it. up when we were talking about Blade and I kept my mouth shut because yes, I like did. Danny. All I'm saying is I have a newfound appreciation for your brother in the Hellboy situation, okay? That's all I'm going to say. You know, it's funny because you react to this every time. Like, I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life either. All the way through. I mean, I've wow. seen bits and pieces of it because I, you know, live in America, but I've never watched the whole movie. It's just because I, I somehow avoided it on TV when I was a kid. And then it became a thing that I'd never seen it. Like, I'm not proud of it, but I kind of like telling people that because, you know, you, they have similar reactions. But my mom never remembers this. And so she reacts every time it comes up. But see, my mom's 80, so I don't know what Nick's excuse is. You know, I feel the same <laughs> way with Schindler's List. I've never watched Schindler's List, but everybody tells me I should. Wow. <laughs> I, I haven't. So so we we, we went from <laughs> Transformers the cartoon movie to Schindler's List and wow. Okay. <laughs> Bridged by It's a Wonderful Life, which is probably closer to Transformers <laughs> than it is Schindler's List. But yeah, for me, growing up this How do we yeah. come back from this, man? End the episode. <laughs> We're just going to call it a day here. <laughs> this episode's going to be 50% that organ theme from Monty Python and the Holy Grail every time. <laughs> 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 
Nick hasn't seen Schindler's List. But anyway, let's go back to talking about Freddy's home movies. I love you people. Jesus. We, we didn't even hit the rails on this one. Eric's like, let's start the engine. And we just flew out to the left. Like a point blank miss in City of Heroes. If anybody ever remembers that. Shooting straight up. This train is hurtling ahead. I'm frantically pulling at the lever to pee for the e-brake and it's jammed. It's like, fuck. <laughs> oh. So anyway, yeah, growing up, I, I, I have very specific memories of this show growing up, which is mainly related, not even to the show, but is related to the commercials. And there's a few different commercials for it. Some that, you know, show clips of the episode and whatnot, but there's there's a very specific one that I remember, which is primarily the Fat Boys video. It's a one minute chunk of the Fat Boys music video. Yeah. And for me, yeah, the Fat Boys video equaled pants shitting terror for me as a child. <laughs> because, <laughs> because it was always, you know, my name is Freddie. I'm here to say, and it scared the hell out of me because it was, ah, oh, Freddy Krueger. We, we talked about Freddie is... And our childhood memories of him in the first part of our Nightmare on Elm Street episode. What about what about the Will Smith knockoff one, Nightmare in My Neighborhood? That one so, keep you up nice too? I never heard it growing up. I, I didn't hear it until much, much later. But a funny thing about that, there's an interview with Robert England via Den of Geeks. And in that interview, they ask him, of all the extra Freddy stuff you did, you were in the Fat Boys video. Did you ever get to do the Fresh Prince video that never saw the light of day? And he says, no, I remember I had friends who had a teenage daughter who was obsessed with Will Smith. That's how I heard about that number. I tried to get to New Line and they didn't want to do it yet because they didn't want to go into horror comedy yet. I wanted to do kind of an Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein with the Fat Boys. Nice. I wanted to do a hip hop horror movie with the Fat Boys and let Freddy do a cameo, but get a really great script. Maybe Freddy would be one of the monsters in it and play it real straight for Freddy and let the Fat Boys mug and do the Abbott and Costello shtick. That's interesting. That would have been fun. So yeah, he wanted to spin the Fat Boys video into something more. But yeah, I, my association with the show was as a kid... Because they would run ads for it on Saturday afternoons. So I would get done watching Denver the Last Dinosaur or whatever the hell I was watching. And What the fuck know. is Denver the Last Dinosaur? You sure you're not older than Christopher Nolan, Jake? Man, go fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys grew up in Delaware and sometimes it sounds to me like you grew up in Beirut. It's not even a one season like Marty Orbots, man. Denver the Last Dinosaur got two seasons. <laughs> What the fuck is Denver the Last Dinosaur? Denver the Last Dinosaur. It's a cartoon. He's my friend and a whole lot more. Something like that. Oh, God, yeah. I'm blanking on the lyrics now. But I didn't even like Denver the Last Dinosaur. It's just kind of the... Yeah, he, was, he was green. He skateboarded. He hung out with like a Scooby-Doo analog group. Had sunglasses. Yeah. This is some Mandela effect shit right here. <laughs> I have never seen this before in my life. <laughs> this is the 80s, man. I remember the 80s. I didn't start doing drugs until the 90s. <laughs> For the, I gotta ask my brother about that because he's the king of nostalgia. I but I have never seen that before. Maybe that only aired in the Philadelphia area. It came <laughs> out. Seasons. It came out in '88. That doesn't make me remember it anymore. <laughs> Man, I like I get. I was tell you all about Smurfs and Snorks and oh, the fucking snorks. Black I Star. But you're Denver the dinosaur. Snorks are great. I swear to God, you is it? Did you make that Wikipedia entry just to do this? <laughs> this right. is like an elaborate prank. Do an image search. It's all over the place. Oh, my God. 
So for Jake's benefit, I was watching Mighty Orbots. <laughs> what the hell is Mighty Orbots? <laughs> you don't know Mighty Orbots? What the hell is wrong with you? Stop making up cartoons. Oh, Mighty Orbots. Why did you not have a childhood, Jake? I swear to God. What the fuck is Mighty It's the Mighty Orbots. <laughs> God damn it, Jake. Folks, can you tell we haven't recorded in like three to four weeks? <laughs> Not only were the Mighty Orbots a thing, I owned them as a toy. I get to assemble them all the time. It was great. I have never seen this before in my fucking life. And this came out in 1984. Jake, 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 you're depraved because you're deprived. (laughs) (laughs) What the? All right. So I was watching Silverhawks. (laughs) That one I know. (laughs) All right. Hey, we got a winner. Oh, man, what a good toy line Silverhawks was. Holy shit. I swear to God, half the reason I think I started playing guitar was the the cowboy dude, man. I had a, oh, good shit. Not made up like the other two. Anyway. Oh, my God. (laughs) You were saying, Eric. (laughs) So I finished watching my assorted Saturday morning cartoons, which I won't fucking name. (laughs) Bet you didn't expect that part to take 10 minutes. I'm dying. I'm dying. And I would switch away, but eventually you would like, you know, run out of shit to watch or something, or you're waiting, you know, for your parents to get together and head out somewhere. So I would switch back to the main networks and they would run ads for this show during the day. And in fact, later in season one and in season two of Freddy's Nightmares, they would run the the damn show in the afternoon in some markets. Yep. Not even in prime time. That's what got Silent Night, Deadly Night in trouble. Yeah. And it was... (laughs) The show did some damage to me because I'm flipping yep. channels and all of a sudden you see Freddy Krueger. He says, the fat boys are ready. Are you? And I say, respectfully, sir. No, I am not. And I, <laughs> and I, <laughs> but so I equate that fat boy song with fright because it was that was the bulk of the commercial for the show. So then like a year goes by and I hadn't seen any of the show until I inadvertently stumbled on one episode. And I can tell you which episode it is. Well, hey, I went back and watched it. But ironically enough, it's one they show a clip of and never sleep again. It's the episode from season two called It's My Party and You'll Die If I Want You To. Nice. And the crux of the episode is there's a character who is a con artist psychic and who's you know trying to you know con people out of their money. And it's a follow up to a previous episode. And Freddie possesses her. And there's the scene they show in never sleep again where she's possessed by freddy and she asks a guy if you know do you want me to make you a drink and he says yeah how about a bloody mary and she says in her normal voice oh i can't make you a bloody mary and then she looks up and says in freddy's voice how about i make you a bloody harry smashes a bottle slashes his throat i stumbled on this right at the start of that scene so all i see is a lady making a guy a drink and all of a sudden she looks up and freddy krueger's voice comes out of her mouth and i flip the fuck (laughs) (laughs) so i remember that very very clearly there were two story arcs i remember very clearly there's one with uh eva larue in it and she is playing this babysitter and she suddenly is like possessed with this ravenous hunger so as the household goods start to like diminish, she starts looking at the children. I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> that one really messed me up. That, that episode stuck with me. And the other one that stuck with me was the, uh, it was so weird. Cause all of these episodes were like two stories that were like loosely connected or dreams within dreams. Mm. So they were just very 
slammed into each other, you know, just like stabbed into the other story. So the one where it's like they were worried about this woman being a vampire in the woods and the guy was terrified about, you know, her taking him. And just as she's about to like end them all, it turns out he's just having a delusional fever dream because they're actually in a plane crash for the second story. And they're like eating the other like, you know, dead passengers. That that episode uh, had Sandal Bergman. That in episode it. is prime cut. Yes. Yes. Because that's the next Freddy's Nightmares episode I saw, which I was able to muscle through that one because <laughs> like I mentioned back in our Dream Warriors thing. I watched a lot of fantasy growing up, mainly direct-to-video stuff, but you had the handful of theatrical ones. What, like Crow, Conan the Barbarian! Like I say, and Conan the Barbarian. And Conan the Barbarian was my favorite. So I saw Sandal Bergman a lot growing yep, up. Yep. And so, she was also in uh, Red Sonia. And she comes back in another Freddy's Nightmares episode. There's a sequel to that episode yes. called Dust to Dust. Where they have a help group. Like, like, like almost yes, like, it was almost like an cannibals. AA meeting for cannibals because they're trying to get over the fact they were eating people in the crash. And then they eat some poor delivery guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This, Maybe this I should show, watch more of this show. You have... Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you. It, it fit me okay so early on in our podcast i discussed how my love of horror stemmed from familial neglect (laughs) (laughs) and this show is the prime example of that i mean because i was looking at the dates on it and i'm like i would have been about 11 watching this and i think about that and then i look at my 11 year old son and then i think about the episode we just watched and then my son and then the episode, I'm like, Jesus Christ, what were my parents doing? <laughs> How the <laughs> hell was I ever allowed to watch this shit? Man, it, was, it was a different time. Because, you know, yes, it, there was this general assumption that if it was on network television, it was safe. If it was on TV, mm-hmm. yeah. they wouldn't put it on there unless it was something that was okay to be seen by whoever was up at that time of day. And wait a minute, I wait a minute, wait a minute. Kids- if, if it was on network television, it was safe? Yeah. So wait a minute. You, you wait. You had something that wasn't networked. All right. You had Fraggle Rock money. <laughs> Somebody had HBO growing up. That's right, Mister Creamy Caesar. Many people had HBO growing up. <laughs> Not me. Not Jake. Anyway, <laughs> hey, I always forget Nick grew up rich. I was not rich. <laughs> Just joking. We never forget. <laughs> Anywho. Well, but see, you had cable, which means you couldn't accidentally run across shit like Eric and I did, because you could see what it was. Because cable told you. Well, I mean, we just were flipping channels and hoping for the best. No, I, I was getting those little HBO guides in the mail that, you know, to tell you like everything that happens every day at every hour. And I'd be like, okay, so I'm going to stay up till 2 a.m. this morning to watch this thing that no one will ever think is a good idea for me to watch. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I caught my first time I watched Evil Dead 2. It was 3 a.m. Oh, nice. Hiding in the basement, watching it on the cable TV in the toy room. Because my parents were stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up what cable, man. Nick didn't have to rely on woods porn or anything. Just watching Freddy's nightmares and <laughs> horror now, movies in his basement. It was terrible because, like, my dad built this extra bedroom for me in the basement because there were five of us kids. There were just too, way too many. Too many kids. Yeah, too that's why kids. they put you in the basement. Yeah, I know, right? But they put me in the basement <laughs> next to the toy room where they're like, oh, we'll put a cable TV in here. Why would they do that? So it's like me, like, waiting Are for... Are you in the basement right now? I mean, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm not in that basement. But <laughs> not that basement, but a basement. I mean, a basement. <laughs> but no, it's like, you know, I should never have been of when watching this show. It's just I should never have been watching this show. And it, it hit hard. I mean, now it's kind of ridiculous. But it, like as a kid, holy crap, this broke me. I don't know. It was the 80s. We all thought we were going to get kidnapped at a moment's notice. I mean, it was a different time. I, I started walking to school when I was seven, I think. And I can't even imagine that now. It's just different time, I guess. I, I don't know. I remember walking home from school for the hell of it. Walking home from school. And I'm talking miles. Like, it wasn't down the stamp street. Like, I crossed major highways <laughs> to get home because, oh, what the hell? Why not? And, you know, n- nobody cared. Nobody called the police. You know, it's, it was a different time. That was the most old man shit you have ever said. <laughs> <laughs> that was so old man. Nick is going to groan when he stands up. I'm going to do that anyway. <laughs> no, I, yeah, it's funny because I was, I was up visiting my father this last weekend and we were talking about that kind of stuff. And, uh, one of the things we talked about was walking to and from school. And I, I actually looked at how far my walks were. And they were both about, you know, mile and a half, two miles from elementary school to middle school. And they were like, that's long. And I'm like, it didn't seem long at the time. It's, you know, cut through the wood. There's going to middle school. We used to, it was a longer walk if we didn't cut through a dude's yard. And he chased us a few times, but man, <laughs> save 20 minutes. That's like a 30, 40 minute walk. It's not bad. Yeah, no, it's not. And, but like I, it, it seems like that's just not a thing anymore. Like I don't see kids walking to school ever anymore. Now that's the most old man thing I've heard on this. (laughs) (laughs) Kids don't know what you're missing with your walking. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm, I'm placing no value judgment on it. It's just something I don't see. That's all. No, this is, I'm just ruminating at this point on our podcast. Sorry, listeners. Love you. (laughs) I, I had never seen this as a kid. In fact, I had really kind of forgotten it existed. I mean, I guess I knew, unlike whatever the mighty fruit bots, whatever the thing you just said a while ago. Orbots! <laughs> what the? Oh, God damn it, Jake! <laughs> was, was, wasn't that the guy on uh, on uh, Homicide? Anyway. Um... <laughs> what? Jerry Orbach. It made sense I, in my I know, head. But... <laughs> Who hurt you? <laughs> you, motherfucker! <laughs> no, I, I really, I remember, I was thinking about the horror TV shows that used to be on, and, you know, Tales from the Dark Side nice. scarred yep. me. And monsters. Monsters. Yeah, monsters so good. But I remember the Friday the 13th show, and I think I actually saw an episode of that. Loved it. Own it. I Well, that doesn't surprise me, but I, I don't remember much about it. Like, it was, it was something like it was a... Like a room and there was a bunch of objects or not a room, but like so, a like an antique shop. The, yeah, antique shop. The premise is this antiques dealer dies and the antique shop gets bequeathed to uh, his uh, niece and nephew. And what ends up happening is they find out through another source that he had sold his soul to the devil and was selling cursed antiques. And so now it's their job to go get all these antiques he sold back and store them safely in the vault where they can't hurt anyone. And so every episode is some new. That's it fracked up item that you know causes death and mayhem and they have to get it back the one i remember most clearly is a camera where you take a picture of yourself and the camera uh, generates a simulacrum version of yourself and so what he's doing is he's using it to take his place doing normal things while he's off killing people and enjoying himself 
So it's it's pretty fucked. I, I think what I thought about that was I remember watching the one episode wondering what the hell this had to do with Friday the 13th. Other Nothing. Than the name. Nothing and at when, all. <laughs> when we first Just started talking about doing Freddy's Nightmares, I kind of assumed it was the same. Th- Actually, I thought it was that show until I realized it was Friday the 13th. <laughs> So when we sat down and watched this and it was actually, you know, a Freddy story, that that kind of took me off guard a little bit. Like, I didn't know. Of the whole series, the two seasons, eight of the stories directly include Freddy Krueger. The remainder are kind of hosted by him, very much in a uh, Tales from the Crypt type style. Right. Though there there is some heavy insinuation through multiple of the episodes that he himself is kind of directing the events in some fashion or other. And most of them deal with like dreams or dreams within dreams as well. So, but he's directly tied to the show, even if he's just the host. Yep. Yeah. And that, and that was very different for the Friday the Thirteenth show, which I, I I don't know. I thought it was interesting. And again, I was conflating the two because it was a long time ago. But I I I didn't, to the best of my knowledge, ever see this show before. It, it bad enough with a show called Friday the Thirteenth, which didn't have Jason, but it was just obliquely called Friday the Thirteenth. You make a show called Freddy's Nightmares with no Freddy. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not, it's not even Nightmare on Elm Street. It's Freddy. Is the fucking title. <laughs> and to the, its credit, you know, as much as the show was very low budget, despite all of its foibles and problems, Robert England brought his A game. Like Robert England yes. was always trying to do his best. Fair enough. Yeah. Anytime he had that outfit on and or the makeup, he always was just there and he gave it his hundred percent. And I always respected and appreciated that from him. And that might, it might've helped if during the, you know, the, the Freddie reenactment part of the show, if he had actually been in it because the, the bits where, you know, it's like, you can't see his face. He's in the, the Hannibal Lecter box. That's and- him. That was all him. Is that him? I yeah, thought yeah. that wasn't him. No, that's no, him. They, oh. they, they were going out of their way to not show his face unburnt. Yes. They were not trying to take away from the horror visage that is Freddy. They didn't want to say, oh, look, it's Robert England. You know, it, he's supposed to be this figure in the dark in the shadows until it's shit. It's the monster. Oh, okay. Well, then it's just bad. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried. <laughs> Like I was, I was trying to give it an out, and Nick's like, "Nope, no out. It just sucks." It is weird seeing him with hair. It was, it was strangely off-putting. But you know, it's him. Like I, so I, I mean, I didn't come into this with a bad attitude. I was very interested once I found out it actually had Freddie, and I'm like, okay. And it was supposed to be his, you know, theoretically his origin story. But it's just so bad. And on oh, top it's of terrible. it, it's boring. Like I had to watch. I've watched it four times, and. Two of those were just because they kept fucking spacing out after about 20 minutes, you know, looking at my watch, looking at my cool ass posters, petting my cat. It's like anything but focusing on this. Wow. And and it was just, it was just, this was a more of a chore to get through than even movies I haven't like, like Hen and Lotter stuff that I didn't enjoy or, you know, whatever. Those were, you know, at least this was just, it was like, oh God, this is boring and awful. And I would like to be doing anything else. Like I, <laughs> my, my biggest problem has to be with the inconsistencies with it, because it would have been real easy for them to have lined up at least some, if not most of the origin plot that's given in the movies to this. I mean, Detective Blocker could easily have been Lieutenant Thompson. You know, the fact that it was his Miranda rights, apparently that didn't get read, you know, versus, you know, a screwed up search warrant, you know, the little details that if they just had not been lazy and taken two seconds to go and look at the original material, I think would have added some more, you know, uh, credence to it, a little bit more legitimacy, Something, but like at every step of the way it's messed up. 
Like, this shit starts out with the world's worst court reenactment ever in the, the history of court reenactments. Who the hell keeps a prisoner in a glass cage just for the hell of it? <laughs> with his hat. He gave him his hat. <laughs> in a glass cage with his sweater and his hat. And then they just let him go. Like, what the fuck? What? And it, it doesn't, the rest of it doesn't end up making any more sense. Man, it ends with him like, I, I'll be freed. I wanted you to burn me, but I have to get revenge on you for burning me. I'm, yeah, what? That's, that's the other J- thing. Jake is trying to speed run through this motherfucker. <laughs> like, Here's all the shit I didn't like. I'm out. Bye. Like, I got four notes, man. I'm just to read them all up front and then go, go, you know, watch some TV or something. But you're absolutely right. Right off the bat, you know, he's attacking, you know, the parents in this, not the kids. So that breaks a a bunch of, you know, consistencies there. And then there's the fact that he's doing shit to people while they're still fucking awake. That's Nightmare on Elm Street 2 shit. But he had to earn that at least. This is just getting it right at the bat. This is bullshit. You know, there's, there's so much wrong with how this is done. It's very upsetting. So, all right. Before we get too much into the episode itself, do you have a production rundown by chance for who worked on this? I got some notes if you'd like them. Hey, before we jump into that, let me do the community connection because it's a production one for this. Oh, my. So the the community connection, I actually thought it was kind of funny. This guy named Philip Maldonado. Community connection is they're both TV shows. (laughs) (laughs) You have no idea how close I was to doing exactly that. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm just going to write this one off. I'm just boring. I would ever put no effort in it. To be more specific, they're both actual TV shows, unlike Eric's imaginary Denver the Last Dinosaur (laughs) or Boss. Yeah, I didn't know we were going to spend half the episode making up cartoons, but... uh, what the fuck's a visionaries? <laughs> oh man, they had cool toys. Like oh, that had, one, you know. <laughs> I know visionaries. Visionaries were good. I have no remembers of the cartoon itself. I know it existed, but I remember the toys because they were cool. Man, holograms were the best shit back in like 1987. <laughs> they were so cheap, but I loved them. It's <laughs> a hologram sticker. Blew my little tiny ass mind, man. <laughs> the only thing better was the uh, the vertical th- the the bump lines that that changed images on Secret Wars figures. Oh, oh that shit was oh, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the shields. shields and shit. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, so anyway, the <laughs> if we we're gonna talk about toys, man, we gotta call up my brother and get him on here. But <laughs> so anyway, Philip Maldonado was the set customer for all forty four episodes of Freddy's Nightmares. And he was the actual customer for six episodes. I didn't kind of look up which six because I didn't I didn't realize the thing about Freddy being on only six. It might be a connection. But anyway, he was the customer for exactly one episode of community. And it, what's funny about it is because it was pillows and blankets. The one about the, this forest where everybody's in their pajamas with pillows. And oh, like, is this, yeah, yeah. Is that this guy's bag, man? He just does dream shit and bed shit. Like, you see that preeminent pillow guy in Hollywood? <laughs> you know, night clothes, get Phil. Yeah, so that's our, our connection is the customer. But I just thought it was so funny that it was the pillows and blankets episode that he did. That's fabulous. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, thanks, Philip. Maldonado, you're our, our community connection. <laughs> All right, now I guess we can do production. All right. So this is Freddy's Nightmares from late 1988 to early 1990. Two seasons. Uh, this episode is specifically called No More Mr. Nice Guy. Directed by Toby Hooper, just like you stated. Hey. Toby Hooper brought us Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and 2, Poltergeist, Eaten Alive, The Fun House, Life Force, Spontaneous Combustion, The Mangler, Invaders from Mars, and Night Terrors. I really appreciate Toby Hooper. I like him a lot. I really haven't seen much Toby Hooper. Like, I've seen Life Force. And Poltergeist. And not much. I, I've seen Mangler. 
Poltergeist. A long time ago. You've seen Poltergeist. No, I've never seen Poltergeist. What the hell is wrong with you, Jake? God damn it! No, no, this is the thing because I've seen the remake. We when I saw the remake, we talked about this. We were and I haven't watched the original because we're gonna do an episode where I we give you so many chances to fix shit, Jake. Come on! (laughs) God damn it! I probably like the uh, the remake more than most other people because I had never seen the original. Mm, I mean, not a lot because it's not a very good movie. But yeah, <laughs> and I wanted to watch it, the Jake. the original after I saw that, and Eric told me not to, and I haven't. What? It's on the Don't list. watch it now. <laughs> you can, but it's, it's on the list. That's no. fair. You probably go and watch Transformers no, and fucking Jerry Orbach's animated adventures or whatever the fuck <laughs> it was. <laughs> he rides a dinosaur in that one. So- <laughs> I bet he does. The mighty this Orbox. was written by. <laughs> We've got three writers for this one. We got uh, Michael DeLuca, who also wrote uh, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, In the Mouth of Madness, and Judge Dredd. Which one? The, 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 yeah, the, uh, yeah, I am the lone one. <laughs> Just the lone one. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about Michael DeLuca when we get to Freddy's Dead. Yeah. But uh, worth noting, since we're talking about TV shows, he's also the writer of. One of the most notorious Star Trek episodes, specifically Star Trek Voyager, which is the episode called Threshold, which, to my knowledge, usually comes out pretty high on the list of of probably the worst Voyager episode and high on the worst Star Trek episodes ever. (laughs) Boy, like it's I guess like some folks think Spock's brain or, you know, like other things are probably worse or your code of honor from TNG like but. Threshold is fascinating because like stuff like Code of Honor and stuff like those are kind of bad from the beginning. Threshold has a really cool premise and the first third of it's okay. And then it goes so far off the rails. So I just had to fit that in for friend of the pod, Steve. But yeah, anyone who looks up Michael DeLuca, you look up his one Star Trek credit. What an episode. The next writer up was David Ehrman, who had written episodes of The Commish an episode of Supernatural, and several episodes of the Pirates of Darkwater. Hey! Wait. Yo, so glad you know that. Do, do you know that one? <laughs> yes, I know the Pirates of Darkwater. Yes! Up. All right, yay! <laughs> I have a special place in my heart for the Pirates of Darkwater. It's one of my favorite cartoons of all time. I, I do was too. so pissed when it wasn't renewed. <gasps> I'm going to go back and watch that tonight, maybe. All right. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure I've ever actually seen it, but I do know it. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm judging you. It's not like Zeke the dinosaur or whatever the fuck it was. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Denver. Denver. Oh my the god! Last damn dogs. it. All right. Next writer up is Rhett Topham, mm-hmm. who uh, was involved with the writing of Nine Seven Six Evil One and Two, Trick or Treat, and is producing the most recent Swan Song with Udo Kier. Wrote another episode of this. So, like you mentioned, Rhett worked on Nine Seven Six Evil, which was directed by Robert Englund, the first one. And he wrote one of the episodes that Robert Englund directs in season one, an episode called Cabin Fever, which is episode 16, hmm. which is one of the ones I watched for this, which I thought was pretty interminable, except the Freddy sequences in that are fantastic. They, it's one of those episodes where Freddy's just there. He has nothing to do with the episode. The main character, he's he's on a plane and he's having you know anxiety about flying. And the first appearance of Freddy is a riff on the old twilight zone, you know, nice. terror at 30,000 feet, whatever, where it goes out the window of the plane and Freddy's on the wing of the plane. And it's Freddy sequences <laughs> in that are fucking great. The rest of the episode, I oh, it was garbage. <laughs> How many episodes of this show are about planes? Enough. <laughs> Prime cut and cabin fever for sure. But Yeah. This uh, episode was edited by Arthur Klein, 
who also edited Errol Flynn, Portrait of a Swashbuckler, Fashionably LA, and the 10th Annual Soul Train Lady of Soul Awards. That's about it. So I had to pull from that one. <laughs> Cinematography was by David Calloway. I'd rather watch that than this. <laughs> he also did cinematography for Falcon Crest and A Very Retail Christmas. Music was by Nicholas Pike, who worked on The Shining remake, Critters 2, Chud 2, and Sleepwalkers. Real quick aside. It's funny that Soul Train comes up because Soul Train was the thing that came on that let us know that cartoons were done for a Saturday. Yes, very much true. That was the signal that that was done. It was time to go look for Godzilla movies. (laughs) So this uh, was produced by New Line Cinema, who also did Malignant 7 and Final Destination. It was also produced by Stone Television, who worked on Fox's Funhouse, Hollywood Dog, and The College Madhouse. Distributed by Lorimer Telepictures, who also did Last Starfighter, Thundercats, and Max Hedrum. Wait, Thundercats, what's that? <laughs> Is that a cartoon? <laughs> Look, everybody knows Thundercats. It's not some made-up dingbat the dinosaur bullshit. Again. <laughs> Denver! <laughs> <laughs> We always do that Twitter post, which is, you know, here's four images of things you can expect for the episode. And it's just going to be it's four. What do Denver, the last dinosaur, the mighty Orbots, Thundercats, and Pirates of Dartwater have to do? It's just four. Welcome to Freddy's fucking nightmare. Got my 80s showing again. And finally, also distributed by Warner Brothers Domestic Television Distribution, who did Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Will and Grace, and West Wing. Why didn't they give Freddy Krueger a cart, man? Attack of the Killer Tomatoes got a cartoon. Right? Yes, that did happen, Jake. It did. It was <laughs> John great. John was a voice in it, too. It was awesome. <laughs> it was better than the movies. Give Freddy a cartoon. Fuck it. <laughs> That's not hard. We'll have to commission someone to do, like, character designs for a Freddy Krueger cartoon at this rate. Fuck it. Oh, be fantastic. <laughs> Real quick, one last thing before we get into the depth of this episode. I just want to say there was a fair number of fascinating characters who co-starred in these shows. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go through a list I have here real quick. We got Brad Pitt, Jeffrey Combs, we stated Sandal Bergman, Kyle Chandler, Morris Chestnut, Clifton Collins Jr., Raymond Cruz, Mariska Hargitay, Ava LaRue, John Cameron Mitchell, Bill Mosley, and Lori Petty. Holy crap. Yeah, if you haven't heard our first Elm Street review, if you get the collected Blu-ray set for Nightmare on Elm Street, it might be on the DVD, I don't know, but I've got the Blu-ray set. There are two episodes on there. It's episodes two and three, and those are the John Cameron Mitchell and Laurie Petty episodes, respectively. And they're done by, episode two is done by Tom McLaughlin, who did Friday the 13th, part six. And episode three is done by pod favorite Mick Garris, who did The Stand and a billion other things. Mm -hmm. And also has his own great podcast, Pod Mortem, which hopefully you've already listened to, but if not, check it out. But in terms of us talking about cartoons, it's actually kind of appropriate, I think, for this show, for us talking about kind of the tone of the show. It's pretty obvious when when you watch the show that they they came to the determination, we we can't do the degree of horror that they could do in the movie, so we're going to lean a bit into cheese a bit Mm -hmm. and which is something that which appropriate with michael deluca being on here because that's something that very much gets leaned into with freddy's dead which we're coming up on but for what we were just talking about with like going into this episode and it showing freddy krueger's origin so i'll say i i had mixed feelings on on this episode but i did not hate it but i think in going into this i think approaching it as we're telling you the origin of freddy krueger 
is, in my opinion, a bit of a mistake. I don't think you should view this as the origin of Freddy Krueger. I think you should view this as an origin of Freddy Krueger. And I think that's a deliberate choice by the filmmakers. Um, or TV I feel like you're giving them a lot of credit, but I, I hope so. I am. Because if if you go back and watch Eaten Alive, for one example, which I did watch is part of the prep for this. We're not going to do a review of it yet because the Mangler won the poll, but I do want to do Eaten Alive at some point. Toby Hooper very much has a fondness for theatrics. It mm-hmm. very much comes through in Eaten Alive. Eaten Alive we won't get into it, but it's very it over has the top. A very fascinating presentation. And also, I read the script for this, which is pretty perfunctory and which is not negative, but it's just there's not a ton in there that's different. But there are bits and pieces, and there are bits and pieces that are different where it would have had a more kind of traditional presentation or more, you know, where they feel like they leaned into to goofier elements of it or more absurd elements deliberately. I mean, the episode begins with Freddy, you know, summoning an interdimensional witness newscaster to be his Greek chorus. I did like the beginning. I'll I'll throw that out there like that. I thought that was it wasn't well executed. It was kind of clever. And maybe my favorite thing in this was the red and green. Please hold bars like that was genuinely clever and neat. And then, you know, it's downhill from there. But it's like, okay, (laughs) Yeah, but I think I think that the kind of the best way to view this is kind of a la the killing joke. Which is if if Freddie is his own narrator, you know he's very much presenting the show, and I think there is a conscious choice in the presentation of the story of the episode that Freddie is telling this story, because if not, then like you mentioned, it's utterly ridiculous. Yes, because the crux of this episode, if it's Freddie telling it, is like, oh no, it wasn't an angry mob of town people. It wasn't a cop that killed me. It was six nincompoops, and they only <laughs> killed me because I wanted them to. Y- you know. I really hope you're right, because that would be good. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. So for, and, and actually, let's get to it when we get to the bit about how Freddy dies. So when we get to the fire bit, you know, we'll start with just kind of going through broad strokes you know, in the court sequence. And this is another one that has kind of a tonal giveaway, because it's you get the prosecutor who's rattling off slides of Freddy's victims, which you don't see. You just hear the audience react. And an actual line of dialogue is where they call him. Oh, I didn't write it down, but the the prosecutor calls him like a repugnant abomination. And Freddie's defense attorney says, objection. And the prosecutor has to say, my bad, alleged abort, you know, repugnant <laughs> abomination. And they actually have the shot of the defense attorney going, yeah, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so, but so right up front, there's cheek and cheese there because that is patently ridiculous even by you know and then the whole you know we let him out and it instantly goes into freddy's pov like he's the goddamn predator and there's a fucking freddy vision and all you really see are the two girls who can't rhyme in it yeah and it's basically just a red filter so here i'll read a quick i don't have a ton of script excerpts it's largely the same but so here's how that bit's described on the glass booth, we see a bailiff approach. He opens the door. Freddy rises, his back to us. We hear deep animalistic breathing. Freddy's breathing. It's a horrible noise sprinkled with nasty sound effects, such as the cries of his victims locked forever in his mind. Cut to extreme close-up, Freddy's eyes. Cut to Freddy's POV, distorted lens. Freddy sees the courtroom through his eyes. All the people are corpses, lying over each other. A few bodies hang from the ceiling. The image is tinted red. 
Lisa and Merritt, which are the twin daughters, are the only two who are standing up alive. They stare at the camera. So, technically what they capture in the episode fits that description, but is nowhere near as grisly or has that feel of actual terror. So it's more just... No, it looks like a fucking Treehouse of Terror shit is what you see. Dead body going doing, 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 and you know. <laughs> yep. Hey, let me ask you this about the the script, just real quick. Is the the rhymes uh, from the dinner table in the script? Yes, but they are Freddie's voice. Ah. Um. Not sure that makes him better, but uh, it's interesting that they wrote that shit out ahead of time. Anyway. Actually, from what I remember, I read them last week, and I took screenshots of some stuff, but not all of them. But. I know the bit where Blocker is dropping the kids off at school and the daughter turns to him and said, you know, one, two, Freddy's come for you, like right to him, it, it, where it's the extreme close up on her. That's supposed to be Freddy's voice. And then if I remember correctly, the dinner table stuff is not supposed to be like sing songing. It's just kind of supposed to be he's coming in my in, in my dream and yours or whatever. And she's just kind of rattling it off. I don't think it was supposed to be sick. Cause yeah, that, that flops horribly. <laughs> that, that's where I went from just being bored to actively feeling bad for everybody involved in this. But anyway, well, you got to feel bad for the cop and at blocker because he's drinking out of a coffee mug made of eggshell. It is yes. <laughs> it's just, it's just a, basically a thin white membrane. Holding this. It is so thin. I'm still mad at him from dolls. So it's okay that, uh, yeah, you mentioned <laughs> L- Lieutenant Timothy blocker. He's played by Ian Patrick Williams from reanimator, television, robot jocks, King of the ants, silk stockings, and dolls. Also in an episode of star Trek Voyager. I'm not fond of called spirit folk, which is one of the fucking Fairhaven episodes, but we won't get into that. I love that over half this episode has been us talking about other shows. <laughs> but at least they're TV shows. <laughs> it's sort of thematically appropriate. Look, how much can we actually talk about this pile of dog shit? I mean, <laughs> Look, we're just going to turn this into a live commentary track for the pilot of Mighty Orbots. Fuck it. But no, and, and look, I like Ian Patrick Williams, but this is going to my point. If you wanted this to be like, this is the dark, gritty origin of Freddy Krueger. You don't cast Ian Patrick Williams as the cop. Yeah. That is not his forte. His forte is shit like dolls, and which in turn is kind of shit like this, which has a goofier element to it. Because his forte is being silly. And so, which I don't think, yeah, you're supposed to interpret the back half of the episode, which I think is by far the, the better part of the episode, as being legitimately fearful for this guy. It's just like, well, you know, watch this guy chew some scenery a bit as he's you know he's literally basically chewing fingernails at one point over i'm losing my mind yeah but it's yep <sighs> so yeah we we see blocker early on in in the court scene we get you know freddy's let off because they didn't read him his rights and then he goes outside and is gone <laughs> he fucking apparates <laughs> and just everyone goes out and goes, where'd he go and he's off to get more children <laughs> And at which point everyone is on the steps of the courthouse and decides that old, you know, Principal Skinner (laughs) bit from the Simpsons. There's no justice like angry mob justice. (laughs) But it's not really like it's like looking at this episode. It's like, I guess we kind of have to define what a number quantifies a mob because it's more like an angry gaggle of people. It's it's like five, six people. This is not how I imagine this going when they talk about it in the movie. They definitely establish certain things in this episode that boggle my brain. 
like one of the first things Freddy does is unveil his ice cream truck. He has an ice cream truck, <laughs> which is one of my notes in all bold from my notes. He has an ice cream truck. <laughs> it's like it, they're clearly saying something like, like this was involved in his acquiring or meeting or finding the children. But it's like this came out of fucking nowhere and they don't explore it further. It's just like, this is my ice cream truck. Nope. Moving on. <laughs> and then he goes into this random power plant into the boiler room where he keeps his like kill room is like an old fallout shelter. I mean like nothing. I don't. Ow. <laughs> ow, my brain. But it makes sense that they didn't read him as right because clearly these are the worst cops on planet earth. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. This is where we go back into Freddy POV, which again is basically a red filter. And because these haven't been officially released or cleaned up or anything, the versions that we watch, it's kind of hard to tell some of the shit that's going on. With, it's you know, with very the, blurry. Yeah. The rim of it. So, but what you get is if Freddy's POV is he looks across the room and he sees a rusty bed and he says, patience, tonight we'll have a little party. And then tracks right to a saw. Time to feed you some meat. Tracks right to these shackles on the wall, which look like they still have like bits in them and shit. And it's like, oh, don't worry. There'll be plenty to go around. And pans to the right again and was like, discover, Bill. Oh, fuck. I can't imagine the late charges. I I paid this. I'm actually going to have to sell some of the ice cream in that fucking truck. I may be a child murderer, but credit card companies are the real. (laughs) This scene made me think of Ready Player One. Because it's just listing shit that has nothing to do with, hey, hooks, that's scary. Hey, bed, that's scary. You know, it's like, like I said, Ready Player One with a, hey, remember Voltron? He was cool. Moving on. But then you get the, the you know, the bit where they, they pan down to the glove and they give the, you know, the glove this long lingering shot as he puts it on and he you know, holds it up. And again, you don't see his face. You just see his mouth. Freddy's home. And it was like, oh, come on, man. Just go full Sweeney Todd. Speak to me, friend. Whisper. I'll listen. I know. I know you've been locked out of sight all these years. Like me, my friend. Well, I've come home to find you waiting. Home and we're together. And we'll do wonders, won't we? Oh, my God. I love it. How much better would this episode have been if it was a musical? Like the dude on the on the court steps at the beginning, like, not Freddy, not Fred Krueger, the dreaming killer of Elm Street. That would have been fabulous, except we saw how these guys write rhymes. So imagine the fucking songs they would have come up with in 1988. Well, clearly we need to do a mashup of, of uh, you know, Freddy and, you know, Sweeney Todd. And then we need to make it animated. <laughs> you got to leave that pause in, Eric. My brain just turned off. <laughs> that was great. We got to do a mashup of a cartoon and buffering. <laughs> it's been a day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> folks if you're still listening we appreciate you hanging in because again is, we're getting a lot of a couple weeks of energy out on this episode we haven't recorded in a while just know i love you all all right <laughs> <laughs> hope you're entertained if this is the first episode you're listening to don't don't we put in the work on most of these <laughs> <laughs> just just go back to the, the comics episode the, the first elm street one and yeah just go back let's, it's, listen, it's to, let's go listen to us talk about oculus for three hours man it's much smarter than this shit so much smarter <laughs> but here's the reason I, I read all that stuff aside from it's 
again, it's stuff that's cool conceptually seeing it from Freddy's POV, but the way it plays out is so like, eh, <laughs> the way it is. But here's the reason I mention it, because this is a script change. In the script, Freddy did not talk to those tools. They talked to Freddy. Ooh. That's worse. Including the truck. Wow. I cannot wait to hear the fucking ice cream truck's dialogue. Holy shit, people. Sell my ice cream. Imagine being me reading this for the first time. You want a rocket pop? (laughs) So I'm reading the script, and up until this point, it's pretty much one for one, and then you get exterior power plant, dusk. The oppressive steel and concrete structure sits high on a hill. A vehicle is parked outside, covered with a tarp. Vehicle. VO for voiceover. So at this point, I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Vehicle, VO. (laughs) Wait, what? So vehicle, voiceover. Where is he? I want him inside me. Suddenly, Freddy's shadow is cast against the wall. The tarp comes off, revealing Freddy's ice cream truck. Vehicle, continuing. Hello, Freddy. Cutting forward. Interior power plant boiler room, dusk. Freddy's POV. Distorted lens, red tint, as we travel through the boiler room, a maze of pipes and tarps. We come upon Freddy's room, an area behind a black steel fire door. Torture device number one, Peter Laurie voice. Where's Freddy? I can't wait anymore. I'm (laughs) starving. Torture device number two. I know, I could use a nice little girl to play with. Interior Freddy's room, Freddy's POV. It's filled with horrible torture devices. Shackles hang from the walls, electric drills and wire clippers lay strewn about. A bed of nails sits under a mounted circular saw. Porno magazines litter the floor. We can glimpse a few children's toys. The camera then moves to each device as it speaks to Freddy. Bed. Use me, Freddy. I'm getting rusty. Saw. No, use me. I'll be slow, I promise. Shackles. Not fair. I'm next. And then we get the bit with the glove as it plays out. God, that's awful. That's just so bad. Yeah, but how great would it have been if the ice cream said something like, What up, big perm? (laughs) (laughs) Don't go play with my emotions, Freddy. So that is, yeah, not great. But it has this, like, it is so twisted. Like the idea of Freddy going through and, and all this shit talking to him. Again, if it was cartoony, they'd have fucking eyes on them and little mouths and stuff. So I guess it kind of translates well to the cartoon thing. But so they made the choices like we're not going to do that. So it was something that actually would have because they think if they use that exact dialogue, people think the fucking ice cream truck wanted them to fuck it again. God damn it. (laughs) Oh, give me that hogging dust, baby. All of a sudden we're in fucking Tatane available now on Netflix. (laughs) But yeah, so I read that and I was like, wow, what a fascinating <laughs> choice it was. But I, yeah, I think the the bit of taking it out was like, look, let's not try and do something that let's just do Freddy just talking to shit as he goes through the room. So I'm taking that as a deliberate choice. Maybe not. But yeah, I'm fucking fascinated that originally he had a talking ice cream truck. That That's the greatest thing I have ever heard, because now I really do want a Freddy Saturday morning cartoon with a talking Looking ice cream, ice cream truck. truck. <laughs> There's merit there. <laughs> Freddy and his amazing victims. <laughs> if we if we ever start finally p- fucking producing horror, that's that's our first shot right there. It's it's like the magic school bus, but very different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we so we get this bit with Freddy. He gets the glove, immediately goes out to go after the cops' kids because he he had some interaction. 
with the twin daughters. Just funny because it seems like they would have aged out because those girls seem like they were like twenty five. Yeah, because they come back in a later episode. We'll probably talk about that at the end. But there, there is essentially a sequel episode to this one. And yeah, Freddy, <laughs> Freddy goes out to the house. He somehow immediately knows their home address. <laughs> it's just there. Uh, well, where the impression got one. I get is is that he almost killed one of the girls previously, and the dad saved them. Yes. So he knew where they lived. He'd already been stalking them previously. Also, legit, how big could Elm Street be? You know, it's not like it's the I-95 corridor. It's probably like 50 That's or true. 60 houses. <laughs> so they have a cop stationed outside, and I like that the, the first he's eaten fried chicken that's given to him by the family. And I like that the first demonstration of how sharp Freddy's glove is, is it can cut a drumstick into three pieces. <laughs> <laughs> and the pen, the paper plate has shredded bits on it. And this is where we actually get a little bit of blood, where they basically squirt a ketchup bottle on the paper plate from above the camera. So, but I love that the whole setup of this basically is people constantly missing each other. Where they drive to the plant, Freddy's back at this house, and then so they drive to the house, but Freddy's on his way back to the plant. It's like, oh shit, we keep missing each other. I'm playing mob tag here. <laughs> yeah, this is where it really just it becomes intermittable. I mean, it's just like this is where I had to keep rewinding because my you know I'm fucking thinking of a monkey with symbols, you know, instead of whatever I'm watching. Well. They just kind of push through. Yeah. Another bit worth noting on, on his POV when he's outside the house. So we do get a Freddy's POV as he looks in on the girls after he kills the cop. And it's just the the shot we saw before, except red. But it was a little bit different originally. It was Freddy's POV. Lisa and Merritt are carved up, bloody, and strewn over the couch and floor. Blood is everywhere. Sarah stands hysterical, screaming. We hear Freddy's laugh. So it was another one where they had this kind of overly embellished visual bit which they yeah. obviously were like we can't do that for budget reasons the best indicator of the budget restrictions on this well there's a couple i know the turnaround time on tv shows was pretty narrow back in the day you know versus today but the copy of the script i have is dated august 10th 1988 the premiere date was october 9th that sounds about right wow so i, I don't know how that compares to other shows but again for something that has some semblance of makeup and effects and stuff that that being the final screen, that seems like a narrow window. But yep. the other bit is later the bit where Blocker hallucinates that Freddy's ice cream truck is coming at him. And he's like, ah, throws his hands up and he's supposed to, you know, crash the car a bit. In the original script, he crashed his car into a tree. And in the script, <laughs> the scan version of the script, the word tree is hand scratched out and handwritten next to it is trash can <laughs> so, yeah we we can't afford to, to actually wreck a car around a tree so we're just gonna have him knock over a trash can and that's so, where he breaks his tooth yep that person found out it was their car that was gonna get used it's like this hits a tree wait you're using my car this hits a marshmallow you know at this point like kruger's affecting daytime shit you know, like you know, like hallucinations, you know, some things are like kind of played off as, oh, wait, maybe that didn't happen, but it's not clear what's real and what's not. But the tooth incident clearly was real because it's the whole reason why he's in the dentist office at the end. It's it's sloppy. It's very sloppy. But uh, even before that, he starts killing off other uh, parents, at least one other one. Deeks, I believe, is the character who's found dead Deeks back in the boiler room. killed first. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the prosecutor? Yep. Yep. At which point, you know, he's seen by, I believe it was Gene Stratton was the uh, dentist. That might have been the uh, 
I believe, yes, Gene Stratton was the dentist, yes. Yeah, so yeah, he runs into Gene Stratton, who's like, oh, your tooth, you should come in and get that looked at. So he does, and this, like I said. Wait, we're just I, skipping to the end? <laughs> we're just do you have more to add? I, I'm happy. <laughs> we didn't cover Freddy's death at all, man. That's, oh, that's crap, yeah, we gotta part. talk about that shit. Shows you how much I appreciate the show. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else happens in the episode, Eric, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Nick, Nick's spacing out in the podcast like I did trying to watch the episode. Uh, <laughs> it's rough. It was rough. Yada, yada, yada. Half the thing here. We'll research real quick, but I do want to talk about Freddy's death a little. He leaves Blocker's house. Blocker shows up, tells the family, oh, stay inside. And, and Blocker then heads after the mob. So the mob is then back at Freddy's little kill nook back at the <laughs> power plant. And this is another you know, bit of you know, lending credence to, again, that this is, you have to interpret this episode as Freddy is telling you this. Because it's, uh, and God, I should have written down the line, but it's, you know, he comes back and the first thing Freddy does is instantly taunt the one armed person there. There's a guy with a <laughs> shotgun and Freddy's like, hi, motherfucker, basically something. So, it's, <laughs> so not run, is uh, he instantly taunts the dude with the shotgun. You know, the mob's you know, starting to surround Freddy. Blocker shows up, and Blocker's trying to talk everyone down. And then we, have, we essentially get a Freddy's Nightmare scene that is the equivalent of that Exorcist skit back in the day with Richard Pryor on SNL, where Blocker <laughs> says, you know, where it's, you know, we can't do anything to him. Freddy says equip, and he's like, oh, fuck you, buddy. Because, you know, <laughs> Because Freddie, you know, basically says, you know, you you can't kill me, Lieutenant. Burn me down. I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Essentially, Freddie become a fucking Jedi. Like, there's no basis for this. Uh, and it's it's exactly that. I, I, I'm sorry, real quick. Like the daughter is like, oh, you can't kill Freddie. He'll come back stronger. Freddie's like, yeah, I'm gonna be badass. It's like, how the fuck do any of you people know this shit? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Blocker's <laughs> like, yeah, we can't kill him. And then Freddy's like, yeah, I'm gonna come after your kids and come after our kids. It's like, well, fuck that. What is what he's been doing? Why is this? <laughs> so, but he does that to get revenge on them for killing him, like he wanted him to. According to this, it's like I, that. I will say this, looking at it from the perspective that you're talking about, which is, you know, that this is some unreliable narrator, Freddy telling his own origin shit. It makes a little bit more sense because it's, you know, like I, I wanted them to kill me and all that. So that that jives a little bit if you look at it from that perspective. If you don't look at it from that perspective, it's more like, what the fuck is this shit? Well, and this scene is kind of the core of that argument, because in the script, Freddy doesn't say shit while they're throwing gas on him. They throw gas on him. And he acts like a regular person would act if you threw gas on him, which is he tries to get the fuck away. Or he at least cowers and reacts like, oh, shit, gasoline. Whereas in this, he's basically taunting him the whole time. He's like, yeah, you missed the spot. Yeah, he's, he's the evil midnight bomber. Yeah, baby, yeah. More than that, baby. One of these days, gas can, whoosh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so. That's really accurate in this one, though. It really that's is. That's exactly pretty much what he says. Because he, he's standing just still just like yeah 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 that's it keep it coming keep it coming and he welcomes <laughs> it he wants it but jesus and and blocker's line too is the law is the law but tonight the law is on vacation <laughs> and so uh, that line cracks me the fuck up. like this is your money line jesus christ so then they actually light freddy up and he's on fire which again if if this was awesome 
I know we get dream demons and shit and Freddy's dead. I haven't revisited that yet. Yes. So we'll, we'll get to that. Cause I know they revisit that. But it's like, man, if you're going to choose a, a way to convert yourself into this all powerful being, man, did self-immolation really need to be the, <laughs> the mechanism? That seems harsh. Especially when they had a shotgun right there, man. This could have been quick. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's on fire. And they actually had the dude on fire is like pointing at the mob and stuff. He's talking him like, you fools. But he actually has the line. And this made me so fucking happy, which is, Jake, do you remember what Freddie says? I'm free. It, not that. Another bit. No. I'd rather burn up than fade away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does the Kurgan bit. He's the Krugan. <laughs> Which, if only then, Christopher Lambert was blocker. The law is the law. Right? <laughs> the law is on vacation. <laughs> that, would have, that would have worked really well, actually. <laughs> I, I like this a lot more if this was Highlander shit, man. <laughs> so they burn him to a crisp, and then everyone's like, oh, that's done. And then here's where we get a bit of the episode, which I thought was legitimately effective. Not like, oh, I'm terrified. But that I thought worked, which is the, the cutover to the dream dimension, where Freddy is sitting... In the script, it specifies he's exactly where he was when they lit him on fire. It, it doesn't come through as clearly in when you see it. But he's just there, and it's silent, and the camera just tracks in, and he just looks up, and that was then. This is now. And he cuts himself, and the goop comes out. And it was played kind of like a scene from like the first three Nightmare on Elm Streets you know, would have been played, something like that. I was like, okay, cool. This That actually kind of works. And, and also sets up the mechanism by which all the subsequent episodes follow, which are all the episodes of the show are basically two episodes. There's a first half and a second half, and they're usually connected, mm -hmm. but they, they kind of function as separate things. Yep. They become very much like in some of the season two episodes I watch, it's two completely different halves. And then you have ones like we mentioned the Sandal Bergman episode, Prime Cut, where it just kind of pivots into, it's the same cast, but it pivots into something else halfway through. But yeah, and then we get the back half of the episode, which I think is more fun. Again, if you view it in a cheesy, cheeky way, which is Freddy just tormenting this dude who, who killed him, which again, if you're looking at the continuity of the original series, doesn't fucking work. But looking at it in and of itself, kind of fun, you know, because he instantly blockers the dream about the Elm Street house, which is all lit up. You know, well, why? Why it's that house? I don't know. But <laughs> answer being they already had the fucking set. But yeah, and then we, we get all the bits of him, you know, Blocker thinks the FBI are coming. My favorite bit that he does is when Blocker gets back to the police office and he's got a letter waiting for him. Yes. And he opens up the, the letter and it says, I'm burning in hell. Wish you were here. And it goes up in flames because it's flash paper. I like that. Because Freddie is a confirmed for Memphis wrestling fan. And my entire life has been building to this moment on the pod. I finally get to talk about the fact that Freddy Krueger was a wrestler in CWA in 1989. A little bit after this, but what? if you go back, CWA, Continental Wrestling Association, which was the federation that was run by Jerry Jarrett. Jerry Lawler was their champion for a while. There was a wrestler named Freddy. And it was a guy, specifically Tommy Gilbert, and he later passed the gimmick on to his son, Eddie Gilbert. He would come to the ring in full Freddy regalia. Sweater, pants, hat, had the Freddy mask on, and the goddamn glove. And he was a face. <laughs> his first appearance on CWA in a match is tagging with Jerry Lawler against another tag team. And the audience is full of kids who are chanting, Freddy, Freddy, Freddy. 
It is the wildest shit. If you don't believe me, Brian Zane, who runs a YouTube channel called Wrestling With Regret, has a little mini video series he did called It Came From Memphis about all the wackadoo Memphis wrestling gimmicks, like Tagar, Lord of the Volcanoes, which came <laughs> after this. But yes, Freddie was a face. He would get in the ring. He would take the hat off. He would pull the glove off, put the glove in the hat, hand it to the ref, and then he would wrestle in the mask, in the whole getup. And his wrestling repertoire was basically jumping up and down, knife edge chops, and then his finisher was a claw to the face where he would just grab the person's forehead. I am flabbergasted and amazed. I went through and watched a bunch of these, and it's so fucking wild when he gets in this mini feud with the tag team called Wildside. Chris Champion, Mark Starr, and they have one of those picture-in-picture interviews where like, Freddy Krueger, you come out here like you're some kind of fucking horror movie villain. He's like, that's what he is! (laughs) Well, I don't like horror movies, Freddy Krueger. I'm gonna fucking kill you. Or he says something essentially. (laughs) And it's wild. There's one match where he's tagging with Dustin Rhodes and they get beat down at the end. And who comes out to save him? Jason! <laughs> it has to be, I guess, at that point. Jason does a run in, and Jason was played by Eddie Gilbert, Tommy Gilbert's son. That's who amazing. He would later come on to be Freddy. Now, eventually, they named him Nightmare Freddy, I think. But it was just straight up Freddy Krueger as a face. So get ready to see pics of that all over our Twitter feed because <laughs> I've been waiting so long for the day I can talk about Freddy wrestling from Memphis. That's awesome. Oh, my God. Well, now we probably ought to call this episode Freddy in Memphis, like the Dusty in Memphis album. Freddy in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking doing Son of a Freddy Man or some shit is the, the intro. <laughs> I'm still liking the Highlander al- uh, angle. Here we are, born to be pigs. We're the children of Elm Street. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm out here with Freddy Krueger was a preacher's son. (laughs) (laughs) Lying next to the floor next to his own severed head. A head which at this time has no name. I know his name! (laughs) Here I am! (laughs) (laughs) Fucking yeah, give me the prize. (laughs) (laughs) Give me your kings, let me squeeze them in my hands. Oh, God, I hope, folks, you've listened to the Queen's Give Me the Prize from the Highlander soundtrack. (laughs) If they haven't, man, they should have did that shit when we did the, uh, the, the... Buffering. <laughs> this was your bit, man. I know. Ah. Do you want a lifeline? Mausoleum. Nope. Mausoleum More is on the list. Yeah, there we go. Hey. Mausoleum is a different movie that we're going to review someday. But yeah. Welcome to the party, Jake. <laughs> Sorry. No, now I'm totally thinking of a Freddy Krueger version of Son of a Preacher, man. And that's ah. what I'm you know. <laughs> you know, the only one who could ever kill me. Yeah. <laughs> What's the son of a Freddy, man? <laughs> It's got to be good isn't always easy. Yeah, no shit. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We should talk about the end of this episode and we're going to, we're going to really fucking, we're not even, we're not even on a train anymore. Never mind off the rails. We're in like a fucking bumper scars chasing out into the desert. (laughs) I don't know if this is the best episode we've done or the worst. I think it might be the latter. I don't know. I can't tell anymore. Hey, you remember the Scary Stuff Podcast, Freddy's Nightmares episode, where they spend 90 minutes talking about other Freddy stuff they'd rather see (laughs) instead of the thing that... Fucking Bing Bong the Robot Dinosaur or whatever. Denver!
I don't so, even think we should edit this. Just throw this shit this right out. <laughs> as is, have a nice day. Oh my god. <laughs> so the what? ending. Yeah, so the ending. Miscellaneous shit. They get a really bad scene at the dinner table. Blocker thinks the FBI is coming for him. They go to find Freddy's body, not in the trunk. Well, at least they kept that bit that there's the body in the trunk, yes. sort of. That was kind of a fun image with the slashes on the inside or something. Don't explain where he fucking went, but whatever. And the one bit I liked of this too is that that again we talked about Ian Patrick Williams' performance in this, you know, being you know very over the top, and I would argue deliberately. But it does beg the question of is like you see him going around like you know jumping at everything in sight, breaking coffee mugs. It was like this looks like someone who should be on active duty. Ah, Twitchy, the officer. <laughs> so, all right, let's just skip to the end. All, so, right. all right, we got the, the broken tooth bit. Yeah. He goes to see the dentist who's part of the mob. So, yeah, and he gets in, and the first thing they do is put him on laughing gas so he can, like, you know, not feel pain during the process. An immediate gratuity. It's just like, the nurse, bam, clothes gone, just in her underwear. It's like, what the hell is this shit? Just somebody got to the end of the script. It's like, oh, shit, tits. Fuck. <laughs> I almost forgot. <laughs> Throw them in. I, I kind of liked this finale. I thought that, you know, using going in for a dental procedure as a mechanism to fall asleep was kind of fun, you know, with, with the gas. That was okay. And then I love the final sequence where he comes to and and Freddy's there and Freddy has the dental tool. Oh, glove. my God. I was this like, oh, that's fun. broke me. <laughs> so, like, as an adult, it was very kind of subtle and like, okay, you know, they, they can't do too much, you know, because it's television and they're low budget. But I remember as a kid, the fact he had all those drill bits on his glove, like, that alone just, like, chilled me to the core. I was like, oh, shit, this is bad. And then <laughs> you, you don't see it. You just see the, the, the lieutenant kind of going, oh, oh, and like a chunk of tooth falls on his face oh my god it like i it i i felt i remember feeling physically ill by this like as a child for some reason this bit was more disturbing than any other freddy stuff i had seen as a kid probably because most of it had been filtered through tnt and this was just what you get <laughs> but, <laughs> But as ridiculous as the rest of this episode was, this scene was brutal. And I think really, to a degree, stuck the landing. It still upset me rewatching it, actually. Yeah, I think it's a fun image. You know, the dental tool glove. And it's like, you're dead. Big deal. <laughs> and <laughs> Florida, there was no marathon man joke. And he's like, fuck, no, it's not safe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the bit that cracked me up, too, is, is after this, there's... You know, Freddy is in the hallway watching it, and the script specifies it sets up kind of, I guess, what they thought the visual motif of the series would be, which is this dream hallway where everything opens a door, basically, and there's someone's nightmare in there. But he's looking in at the bit in the reality bit of the nurse who's freaking out. You know, Hoover, you know, I just, you just gave him a sedative and he's dead. And, you know, Freddy, ah, and yeah, doesn't have a line. Well, got her fired. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is where Freddy breaks the fourth wall and says, oh, that's it for this week. Tune in next week. Same Freddy time, same Freddy channel or some fucking shit. I don't fucking know. <laughs> this, this recording is broken. <laughs> I will say this before we wrap this for this bit. Did anyone watch My Sister's Keeper, which is essentially the sequel to this? No, no, I meant to, but didn't have time. For anyone who wants to check it out, if you haven't seen it, it's episode seven of season one. It's called My Sister's Keeper. 
And it's directed by Ken Wiederhorn, who we've talked about on this pod. He directed Return of the Living Dead 2. And it's it's fun, I think. I don't think it's great, but it's I think it, I liked it more than this. And it's a story about Freddy stalking the twins and has this bit where we were... I know the hook. Yeah, he's evading the, the dreams of the twins and the twins pretend to be each other at different points. And it's about the blurring the lines between their personalities. And when Freddy will injure one of them in the dream the wounds will manifest on the other in reality. That's true. So th- there's some fun things and they do a lot of callbacks to stuff from the original movie. There is a sequence in a high school and they have Freddie call out, you know, no running in the hallway. So they call back to that and Jake will fucking love this. They revisit the stretching arm bit from the alleyway. That's the thing this- you want to bring back. It's straight up like Roger Corman, Reed Richards shit from the Roger oh, Corman, God. fantastic four. Cause he's holding the one twin and then he's the other one's a far away and he reaches and it's just basically a long pole with a Freddy glove on it with goo dripping from it that flies towards the camera. And I actually thought it was really fun. It's just like it's worth mentioning that the Springwood High School scenes were actually filmed in Torrance High School, which was later used in Buffy the Vampire Slayer series. Yeah. And like Grease 2 and all kinds of shit. Oh, yeah. And the only other thing I mentioned about My Sister's Keeper is. It's it's the same actresses who played the twins in this, and the, the only kind of real callback to the, this pilot episode about their dad is one of the sisters has the offhand line about, dad died because he couldn't take it anymore. And that's just like, wait, did they think his dental visit was an assisted suicide or something? <laughs> like, like he just went in that dentist chair and just cranked up the gas. Wait, went to Dr. Death, the dentist. Oh, shit. <laughs> that's... Huh. Is there more bad rhyming in that episode? Because I can't begin to tell you how bad that dinner scene table just fucked me up. And this is like, this is the worst <laughs> shit we have done on this, man. Uh, it's not, but. Uh, I'm sure there's there's rhymes in there, too. But no, it, it's it's not. And it, nothing in that episode is as bad as the, you know, the, the, the dinner table rhyme scene in this. But. <laughs> it was a rough ride. Yeah, I um, like I said, my feelings on it are decidedly mixed. I think there was. You know, like I said, a degree of intent behind the ridiculousness of some of this, again, particularly seeing like other Toby Hooper stuff. But in and of itself, it's like it's eh, it's even within that. I think it's it's sporadically effective, but overall it's, you know, it's fine. I, you know, I guess as a tone piece for the rest of the series, it's fine. I like I mentioned, going back and watching, I really enjoyed watching the season two episodes because it seems like in season two they were in full fuck it mode yep hey, which kind of comes through in the never sleep again documentary where they were like at that point you know no one was paying attention no one gave a shit we were going to get canceled just do whatever and so that stuff is is you know really pushing into comedy and again robert england's having so much fun that the season two stuff i saw was actually generally easier to watch not not a lot but but generally I mean, this this was tough to watch. I it was just tough to get through. Like I, I keep saying, I you know would find myself zoning out and spacing out. And I mean, it, I mean, it, it's not that that never happens. I watch a lot of Netflix, but you know, and James Wan movies. But it's it just didn't feel like a good effort. It felt like lower than low budget. It felt like you know, and because there were good people involved, some anyway. It just yeah, it it was like half-assing rushed out nonsense that did, really did feel like sub reenactment quality it very much to me felt like some good people working with some bad people on it eh 
story that had no budget. That being said, I have to say, Eric, you saved it a bit for me. Your approach of thinking of this entire thing as just an untrusted narrator boosted it a bit in my eyes. I appreciate it a bit more, at least if nothing else, the consistency angle of it. It changes my perspective on the the stuff that doesn't make any sense, yes. but that's about it. I right. still think it's trash. And, and it still uh, like is reminiscent of that early childhood trauma and terror. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, as far as the throwback goes, you know, if I had to suggest this to anyone, I, I would suggest it to the completionists. If you just have to have everything Freddy, then you're going to watch this no matter what I tell you. Just go, go do it. If you are just mildly curious, I'd say maybe an episode or two, then move on. Really what this is made to do is to be left on a shelf somewhere where some impressionable young child can find it and truly shape their life. That's what this is made for. Anyone else? Eh. <laughs> do we know why it's not available anywhere? Because who's going to buy it? I mean, it's still got Freddy's name on it. Like, that would move units. There was a, a DVD that was put out at one point, I think. I think it was in the UK that had the first three episodes. I know they released five VHS cassettes with five episodes. Yeah, and then, like we mentioned, episodes two and three are on the Blu-ray box set of the, of the feature films. So it's not like there's something where they can't release any of them. So I, I assume it must be a licensing thing, but uh, again, it's, you know, it, it could be, a, you know, they were worried about low sales thing. I guess... A lot of folks, I guess, the, the series kind of got a second life because they saw it on the n- channel of Chiller. Yep. I guess got the rights yep. to it at some point and reran it. But it's like I'd like Shudder doesn't even have it because it seems like Shudder would be all over that shit. Or one of the, you know, the, the lower rent streaming service, Tubi or some shit, you know? Like, why wouldn't they have it? Yeah. Well, at this point, too, it's I don't know maybe if they've like scanned everything in. Not that they're going to give it like an HD remaster, but, it, you know, maybe it's... It, there aren't good quality masters for it. I assume there would be for a network television show, but you never know. I mean, there's there's a lot of random stuff that's you know fallen through the cracks at various points. Rock, rock is one. There was one I I kind of discovered while while looking in this, which was, oh God, where did I write it? Is it Daffy the dinosaur? Denver, Denver, the last dinosaur. He's your friend and a whole lot more. Wherever the fuck that line for the opening went. This is, <laughs> this is the most wackadoodle episode we've ever done. <laughs> um, what the fuck was that? Oh, the, there it is. It was The People Next Door. Does anyone know this show? That rings a bell, but I mean, with me, that could mean anything. It was a nine episode TV show that ran in 1989 that was co-created by Wes Craven and Bruce Wagner, who was his writing partner on Dream Warriors. Oh, that's why, because uh, we that came up a bit on our People Under the Stairs episode. Yeah, probably did that. Yeah, and so the premise of it was it starred Jeffrey Jones as a cartoonist and whatever he drew came to life. And you can find like snippets of it and you can find the opening theme of it, but I wasn't able to find any whole episodes of the show. They only ran like three of them and then it went away because it was apparently it was a a real dud in terms of ratings. But yeah, that's that's something I really want to keep digging for because I'd love to to find that just because because. But but another example of, you know, sometimes there's TV shit that just kind of randomly falls through the cracks. But yeah, I, I would really like it if someone picked this up, you know, just spruced it up a little bit and, and made them available somewhere. Because yeah, if you like, you know, part of the reason I was looking forward to doing this was, again, just talking about further continuing talking about Freddy as an icon and the perception of him at a particular point in time. And this was how big he was. He had a goddamn TV show, you know, on network television. 
And a wrestler. And a wrestler. Who was a face. Who was a face. And tag team with Jason. And so I think it's interesting looking at that. But also, if you're just a fan of the franchise, yeah, it's just splice out all the the bits of Robert Englund. And they're always gold. The best one, there's a season two episode. I don't have the name in front of me where he's counting money. And and I already made made an image of that. It's like that's. Anytime we do anything monetary on our Twitter feed, it's going to be the pick of Freddie just thumbing through. He, he just makes it rain at one point. It's just him thumbing through dollar bills going, I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> like, this shit is great. Yeah, I, I'm glad to have seen it. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by its existence more than its reality. But it's it's. I want to say it's worth giving a watch if you're really diehard of the series or the, the movies. But maybe just read the script. So we all had kind of different takes on it as far as where it falls in the pantheon of TV shows of 1988. And certainly curious to see where you think this falls in the pantheon of scary stuff episodes because, <laughs> boy, has this been a ride. Oh, my God. We, we were due for a complete mental breakdown. Man. It's a new year. It's January. I just, I just started a new job. You're lucky I can form coherent sentences. This is just, just a cleanse for the next episode. <laughs> This one's for diehards only. <laughs> well, we hope you tune into our upcoming you know, Mighty Orbots spinoff where we cover it. Mighty Orbots episode by episode. <laughs> that shouldn't take long since they don't exist. God damn it, Jake. <laughs> you have no, you, you just have no childhood. You have no, no. I have plenty of childhood. Lead. No, you My don't. Mine was just based in reality. What'd I say? <laughs> watching smurfs you guys were i don't know eating fucking delaware mushrooms or something imagining shit <laughs> i was too busy watching my fraggle rock <laughs> yeah you yeah mr Moneybags. fuck <laughs> you and your fraggle rock your creamy italian dressing folks go back to listen to episode four for context on the fraggle <laughs> rock. I promise that's a bit You're creamy italian what Again, it's all just based on Nick growing up rich. and yeah. I was not rich. <laughs> That's something only rich people say. <sighs> well, on behalf of myself, of the impoverished and Fraggle Rock deprived of the world, <laughs> I do want to thank you for listening to what is probably the worst episode of the Scary Stuff Podcast. Or, or, the or the best. Or the best. Or the best. <laughs> or the best. <laughs> Like, share, and subscribe. Messages on Twitter. <laughs> at Scary Stuff Pod on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Oh my God. Where you will find many stills of Denver the Last Dinosaur to prove it did fucking exist. <laughs> Not on Instagram, you won't. I run that one. It's reality based. There is not going to be any dingbat the dinosaur on my Instagram oh my feed. God. Stop trying to kill me. <laughs> oh my God. Fucking mighty Orville Redenbacher, whatever the fucking other thing is, isn't gonna be on there either. No, it's not that because oh, 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 I was about to say Orville Redenbacher remembers and make all thing. It's like, oh yeah, that's Pepperidge Farm. Fuck. <laughs> now I'm just proving my own argument. Everyone remembers the popcorn guy. Orville Redenbacher remembers. <laughs> what? That's the cookie guy, you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> No, that is a Stelladora bread breakfast. <laughs> Stelladora breakfast tea, snack time anytime. <laughs> I can't breathe. Oh my god.
Uh, again, <laughs> wow, what a ride. But yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, the Mangler episode's coming up soon. We're probably going to have another episode or two in between, which are going to be a surprise, but we're very excited about those. They will probably be more coherent than this episode. <laughs> they Who couldn't <knows>? be less. <laughs> I got nothing. This is Eric Dillon just signing off. Thank you. <laughs> this is Nick saying sweet dreams. <laughs> this is Jake signing off saying thanks for listening. Please don't let this be the only episode you listen to. I swear to God, the other ones are different. <laughs> Please like, share, subscribe, pretend you never heard this. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Freddy Krueger was a son of a preacher, man. What the fuck is Denver the last dinosaur?